Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us, complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. A big weekend, how about the Indiana performance on Saturday? My goodness, uh, this Indiana team is uh, playing great basketball right now, and it uh, feels like finally, for once, here as we approach the start of February, This Indiana team has met the expectations that so many across the country in the media, sports writers, even fans had uh, for what this team could be. And I don't know what the future looks like. None of us do. But for right now, Indiana is playing great basketball. Trace Jackson Davis is leading the way. Jalen hood Shafino is the real deal. You have to wonder at this point what the likelihood are, what the chances are that he could leave Bloomington for the NBA after this season. I think it's always been a possibility, but he is playing outstanding basketball. And the Hoosiers getting other contributions as well. And uh, they're not only beating people in most situations here recently, and I know the Minnesota game was different, a road game, a tough one. Indiana fortunate to win that game. They battled from behind late, to be quite honest. But Indiana has, has beat some really quality teams by, by a big margin. I mean, they, that's impressive, uh, the margins that they have won some of these uh, ball games by. There is absolutely no question about that. So, uh, wow, what a performance on Saturday night. Uh, there is a lot of uptick, a lot of momentum around IU basketball right now. In the course of uh, this show, which I think it's eight or nine years now, I know that's hard to believe, a daily show that's lasted that long on IU and high school basketball and the things that we talk about. But in the course of this show, I think this may be one of the more exciting stretches. Um, You think back to when coaches were hired. That's always a big time for this show uh, as far as listeners and podcast listens and things of that nature, how we, I guess, gauge the success of this program. Uh, And then you think back to, you know, when when it's tournament time and, and Indiana is in the tournament, there's always a little buzz leading up to that. Of course, probably our record time, if I had to guess without looking at the numbers, would be Romeo Langford during his recruitment when we did the, like, nine hours of live coverage on his uh, decision day and broadcasted live there from the high school. Uh, That was a crazy day, really. But uh, that was a huge day for us. But I tell you what, consistently, I feel like Indiana's at an uptick. And it's fun to do this show when Indiana's on an uptick because fans care and you've got more listeners and it's just a a better situation. So uh, this has been fun. It's been fun to watch this team. It's been fun to cover this team, to talk about this team. And boy, there's a lot to get to uh, coming out of the weekend after how they defeated Ohio State five straight wins for this Indiana team. They are red hot 
as they try to wrap up the month of January tomorrow with one more victory before flipping the page and moving into February. And by the way, I think I saw this correctly pop up on my Twitter feed a little earlier this morning, but the IU-Purdue game, which is Saturday, February 4th, uh, coming up here this week, later this week, it's been announced that it is going to be on ESPN. So no surprise there. It's always a game that's going to attract a major television network and going to get a lot of coverage, but a 4 p.m. tip-off. Yes, ESPN is where that game will be on Saturday. So that will be a fun one. That will be a big one for Indiana, a big challenge at home. But I'll tell you, with how this team has been playing, I'm not prepared to say I think that they'll beat Purdue or that I would bet the Hoosiers in that game, but I I do think that there's no reason to believe they can't take them to the wire and be very competitive and maybe put themselves in a situation for a win. So fun stuff, fun week ahead, a game on Tuesday, the big one on Saturday with Purdue, and we'll see if this Indiana team can continue this type of success and this type of momentum uh, into a new month. And and think about this as well, just from an overall basketball perspective, uh, girls' sectionals begin Tuesday night at most locations across the state. So Tuesday, Friday, Saturday are saved for the girls this week, as it should be. They really get the spotlight. You've got a lot of boys' games on Thursday night. You've got a lot of boys' games on Saturday afternoon. We are entering the time. This is the week on the calendar each year that when you get to this week, the last day or two of January in the first few days of February, this is postseason basketball, essentially the rest of the way. Uh, so we've got the boys coming up after this. Uh, we've got uh, college ter- conference tournaments, I should say, coming up a little bit later. And, of course, March Madness, the NCAA tournament. This is the stretch that is really good for basketball, especially here in our area. So take it all in uh, and enjoy it. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got some news and notes. We'll recap some of the big happenings from Saturday night's big win. A lot of players playing good. Trace Jackson Davis, very good. Jalen Hochefino was awesome, awesome in that game for sure. Uh, but we'll we'll recap some of that stuff. Also, uh, kind of a sidebar thing, but the brace falling from the ceiling, that was concerning. That was scary. I wondered when I first saw that on social media if the game would continue, uh, to be quite honest. But thankfully it did, and thankfully everybody was safe there. So we'll talk some about the mysterious brace or piece of metal that fell from the sky on Saturday night. Also, later in the show, it's Monday So Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will stop by. Uh, We'll recap everything IU and get you set for the Tuesday game and maybe take a little peek ahead at Purdue with Zach when he joins us today. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown AD, IHSA board member, will talk high school basketball. A couple things I want to get to with Chad coming out of the weekend and want to mention girls' sectional week with him as well when he joins us later today. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deal which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, uh, the Thornton's text line is open. Love to hear from you. I know there's a lot of excitement out there right now with IU basketball, so share that with everybody on our text line. You can send in questions, comments, predictions, whatever it is. Uh, We'll try our best to get them on the air today. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. 
Right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. All right, let's get into some things from Saturday. Let's get into some things from over the weekend. Uh, Indiana with a major win, not just the victory at home, but the way they did it. Indiana now 15-6 and six on the season. They are 6-4 and four in conference play. I believe I saw last night uh, Big Ten Conference standings that there's something like a three-way tie for third place, and I think that's where Indiana stands right now. Purdue obviously is number one in the conference, or I should say, the number uh, the, the, the the top team in the conference right now. Purdue at ten and one. Northwestern uh, at six and three. They are in the second spot. Then you've got uh, Rutgers, Illinois, and Indiana all tied for third. I believe that was the rundown that I saw last night. So Indiana. Hovering right there near the top of the conference and in line if they can finish well and not win out, but finish strong and continue some of this momentum. They're in a legitimate situation. I don't think anybody's going to get to Purdue, who's already at 10 wins. Uh, the next in line is Northwestern with six. Of course, that's what Indiana has as well. A number of teams bunched up with six wins. I think five or six of them, to be exact. But I don't think Indiana or anybody can catch Purdue. But a second-place finish is very possible. A third-place finish is very possible for this team. And it's not a championship, but it means a really good seed in the tournament. That is for sure, the Big Ten tournament. It means a, a double bye in the conference tournament, which would set Indiana up for the possibility to do some good things in the Big Ten tournament. So paying a lot of attention to the standings and uh, so forth as we march through the month of February. But uh, the obvious takeaways, uh, what a finish to the first half. I wasn't at the game. I was watching on television with a lot of people. But, boy, what a fun uh, few minutes to watch and see that unfold. If you were at the game, I'm curious what it was like Saturday. That 15-0 run Indiana went on to close the half uh, that, I, I guess, vibrated something loose there that made the beam fall at halftime, to be quite honest. That, that makes sense, but it was loud in there. I understand the videos I saw, the text I got from people that were there said it was an unbelievable assembly hall environment over the weekend. So obviously, kudos to the fans, but the team for putting together a 15-0 run. That was the difference in the ball game. There, there were other moments where I thought Indiana outplayed Ohio State for sure, but my goodness, a 15-0 run. Is hard to overcome. Uh, Jackson Davis, it wasn't a great night for him, honestly, uh, but he still finished with a double-double. Uh, I mean, unbelievable what he what he's doing, even in an off night, to find a way to finish with a double-double. Uh, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Um, he, uh, he he did really good. I mean, it's, it's an off night for him, especially based on what he's done recently. But uh, he was only 8 of 18 from the field. He had a couple really, I guess you call them bunnies, that I'm not sure what the situation was, but he didn't make them. That's why I say it was an off night. But his stat line still pretty decent, still pretty good. Uh, Jalen Huchifino, though, my goodness, he came out of the gate firing. Uh, he was really good after a bounce-back uh, bad performance for him against Minnesota. Minnesota. He was 2 of 11 uh, from the field against Minnesota, 0 for 3 from three-point range. But on Saturday night, he went absolutely nuts. He scored 20 of his 24 points in the first half. He was 7 of 9 from the field, 6 of 7 
red hot from three-point range uh, and was sick. We found out after the game. I was watching the game in the final few minutes, and we got an email from J.D. Campbell, the media list, that uh, Jalen Huchifino would not be available after the game, and he had just come out of the ball game. I thought, oh, was there an injury I missed or something happened to Huchifino? He just was ill, and he played great through the illness and then didn't have time or the energy to talk to the media, which makes sense. So uh, what a performance from him on a sick night for sure. Uh, but he, he was really good for Indiana uh, against uh, Ohio State on Saturday. And uh, Indiana's in the Big Ten race. I mentioned that. Purdue has, I think, a pretty big lead. But uh, Indiana could come in second, third, fourth, anywhere in there. And let's see if the Hoosiers can shoot for a second-place finish in conference play. A couple other things to mention. High school basketball over the weekend. No real standout performances. I did see Providence and Christian Academy. It was my first look at CAI and Coach Casey's ball club on Friday night. Uh, Providence I've seen a number of times this season. But it was a good first half. Providence ahead by three. Casey Kalen had 17 of Providence's 21 points at halftime, and he scored the first 17 points of the game for Providence. Uh, there's no question that he is back and healthy and ready to go for the Pioneers. So he was really good on Friday. He slowed down a little bit in the second half, uh, but Providence took took off the, as a team in the second half and didn't didn't need any one player necessarily to key the way. But Kalen had a big start and another solid performance for Providence. I guess what I took away from the game most, it was good at halftime, a good game until halftime. It wasn't as fun in the second half because Providence took a big advantage. But the biggest takeaway was Providence's defense is for real. And I know Christian Academy is a solid club. Uh, you know, they're not a, a an all-American club leading the area or anything like that. But uh, Providence's defense really slowed them down. And uh, that's just a reminder that this Providence team, uh, they can throw something at you from a defensive perspective that a lot of teams are just simply not used to dealing with uh, at all on any regular basis whatsoever. Their defense absolutely drives the ship. And if Providence can find a way to beat Brownstown in the sectional, and I think it's possible, and if Providence could find a way back to Indianapolis in the state tournament, yeah, they've got great players like Kalen and Levin and so many others, but I think it will be their defense. Uh, and that's probably a very obvious statement to Providence fans that uh, carries them through if they could put together another really special run uh, this coming March once again. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a break when we come back. We'll talk with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. We'll recap IU Ohio State from Saturday night. Uh, we'll take your text if you've got any, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'll get to those next right here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. On the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Let's look at the Thornton's text line really quick. That number 
1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Texter says, it's good to see Banks finally getting some time and playing well. I thought all along that he should get a little playing time, and it was good to see uh, Caleb Banks in there on Saturday as part of that big performance, big win for Indiana. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, our guest. He's always with us Mondays as we talk IU basketball and more. Zach, what a win, what a performance. You've been at Indiana Games covering them for the Star now for years and years, it seems. I wasn't there, but that 15-0 stretch what was it like to be inside of Assembly Hall with the stadium, the arena rocking like that? You know, it was it was reminiscent, and uh, I was kind of trying to think about the last time it really felt this way because, of course, Indiana didn't have a ton of um, – hasn't had a, a ton of – I mean, first of all, stretches like this, and, and second of all, sort of, you know, games of, let's say – this kind of dominance, this this specific brand of dominance where there can just be a four or five minute period in the game where you turn it on and your opponent just cannot live with you. Um, there were probably one or two of those games in Tom Crean's last season. I think Tom Crean's teams could be capable of that because they could often shoot so well that um, if, if they made a couple, you know, threes and let's say back-to-back possessions and then Assembly Hall would get kind of rowdy, you'd make a mistake they'd get a run-out basket, they'd get a stop, they'd get another three, and suddenly it's an 11-0 run, and it's only taken, you know, a minute and 35 seconds. I'm guessing there were one or two of those in uh, in Tom's last season, and forgive me, I just don't remember them because, of course, that season ended so disappointingly in the end for Indiana. Um, but it, it certainly was reminiscent of, of, you know, what we saw that, 20, um, that 2016 team capable of, if you think of, the way they beat Ohio State at home or Illinois at home, um, the way they beat Michigan on the road that season, where I think at one point they put together something like a 28-0 run, if I'm not mistaken, uh, across either side of halftime. But, of course, that was on the road. That wasn't in Assembly Hall. I think it's, it's, it's certainly been at least six or seven years since we saw Assembly Hall really that loud, that fired up, that, you know, that sort of like – I guess sort of goosed on by just how dominant what was happening on the floor was. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, he's with us uh, Mondays as we talk IU basketball and more. Jalen hood Shafino, what a performance, what a start to the game. Um, and then we found out in the final minutes of the game when he had come out and I think had a towel around his head, we find out that he was ill and wasn't going to be up to talking to the media after his uh, big performance on Saturday night. I guess kind of reminiscent of the, the what the Jordan flu game, <laughs> the, the where he <laughs> where he put uh, such big numbers up. Of course, that's been a story that's been uh, floated around now for years. But uh, Hood Shafino was amazing, and then we find out that he really wasn't feeling that good afterwards. Yeah, I mean, to, to the performance specifically, I mean, to you know make six threes, I think all of them in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, for a while there, because Indiana didn't start poorly, but I thought Ohio State started well, and Trace Jackson Davis missed a few shots kind of early. I think he may have started, if I'm remembering rightly, one of five, and he finishes eight of 18, so that kind of gives you a sense of, um, you know, basically making seven of his last 13 shots, kind of rediscovering some of that um, some of that efficiency. But the guy that carried them was, was undeniably Jalen Hunchafino, and I think 
there's a couple things that, that stand out to me about Shafino. One is that while we've talked about how much better Tamar Bates has gotten, Trey Galloway has gotten, Jordan Geronimo has gotten, et cetera. Um, and, and even with respect to Xavier Johnson, though, he's probably, he probably floats around this conversation as well. Um, the, the guy that we know can carry Indiana in any given stretch is Trace Jackson Davis. We've talked so much in the last few weeks about his dominance, about you know the, the records he's setting, the the individual performances we've seen. He's had two twenty rebound. I mean, I can't remember last time I saw a twenty rebound game before the season from anybody in an Indiana uniform. He's had two just in the last three weeks or, or four weeks. Um, but I think that if you if you ask the question, if Trace Jackson Davis can't carry you, and early in that game, and, and for noticeable stretches of that game, because Ohio State just basically seemed held bent on letting somebody else beat them besides Jackson Davis, which you sort of understand. It's an extreme uh, game plan and, and not one that's likely to work. But th- these are the kinds of sort of tough questions or, or, or tough decisions that a player like Jackson Davis makes you make. Same for Zach Eady, same, frankly, for Jalen Pickett when we saw Indiana struggle to defend everyone but Jalen Pickett at Penn State a few weeks ago. Um, when you ask the question, who else can carry Indiana in long stretches, Jalen Huchifino is, is the second name on that list. And it's not like Indiana's won every time he's done it, but you think about his first half against North Carolina, was pivotal in that game. Obviously, uh, the, third, the, the 21 points at Iowa, the 33 points at Northwestern. Again, they didn't win those games, but there were long stretches where the only reason Indiana was even competing in them was because Jalen Huchifino was playing so well. He'd been a little quieter the last couple of weeks. He had 10, you know, he only had 18 points across Illinois, Michigan State, and Minnesota. He hadn't, before Saturday night, he hadn't made a three since the Penn State loss on January 11th. So you don't, you can't sit there and say that he's like a, quite as, as, you know, consistent as like a Bryce Sensabaugh or somebody like that from a freshman perspective. But what he is is a player that can score explosively really fast. And this is the third time this season he's hit at least five threes in a game. Romeo Langford never did that. Yogi Ferrell did it seven times across his last two seasons at Indiana. Eric Gordon did it five times in his one season at Indiana. Just to give you kind of some, some context for, let's say, similar players that we've seen come through IU in recent years, having already done it three times this season is, is pretty noteworthy. And it's kind of one of those where if you're an opposing coach, again, when you start asking the question of how do you defend Indiana – the, the first questions you've got to answer all revolve around Trace Jackson Davis. But then you have this player who's a point guard, who, whose assist rate has stayed steady. Um, it's at 24% in conference play. His, his turnover rate has gone down significantly. It's only 18% in conference play compared to 21.6% overall. Um, he's got different offensive skills in terms of his ability to finish around the rim, his mid-range jumper, how smooth it can be, um, his ability to sh- shoot threes off the dribble. Most of Indiana's three-point shooters, and they've got some good ones this year, obviously, are catch-and-shoot players when they're making threes. Jalen Huchifino's made more threes off the dribble than he has off the catch. And so suddenly that's a different element. You've got, you know, Yogi Ferrell changed defenses so much because he could hit threes in the flow of the offense, but he could also just dribble down, and if you didn't close him out, he could just knock down a three at the beginning of a possession for you, and, you know, boom, that, that was just a – it was a right cross kind of at the beginning of a possession – Jalen Huchifino's got some of that. And so if you're studying Indiana and you're saying, well, how do we slow this down, that down, et cetera, the, the second piece of the scouting report behind Trace Jackson Davis is basically you've sort of got to hope you catch Jalen Huchifino on one of his down nights because when he's up, um, 
this is what he's capable of in terms of not just, you know, he had three assists, he only had the one rebound, but he had a couple steals, he only had one turnover, but he also just is capable of being an 11-0 run unto himself, of just kind of just, just finding a rhythm if you're not careful in terms of, you know, how you close him out or whatever. I mean, maybe not quite the same player, but maybe a little bit reminiscent of like a Johnny Davis or somebody like that, where if you aren't tight to him the whole time, he can find his mojo and just pile it on you really fast. That just adds a dimension to this team that, frankly, Indiana's not had probably since Yogi Ferrell left, at least at least since Romeo Langford really kind of started to feel the effects of that injury. I think Romeo had that a little bit himself, but then, of course, the injury slowed him down. Um, it, it's just it's a he can be a game changer for Indiana in so many ways. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star on IU basketball. Zach, it's crazy to reference TJD's performance Saturday as an off game. Uh, He wasn't uh, himself in some ways. He missed some, I thought, some easy shots, but still a double-double. I think that just underscores when you can, I guess, say somebody didn't play as good as they could or normally do and still has that kind of output, that kind of line. Uh, That that just kind of underscored to me how good this season all the way around has been for him. No, I think it's fair, and I mean, it, you know, it's. I think that the player that he ultimately is is going to be compared to more than anyone else, and this is just the nature of things, is is obviously Zach Eady. Um, and you know, right now, if you look at Ken Pomeroy's Player of the Year rankings, Eady is one, Jackson Davis is three. Jackson Davis was, I think that 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 ranking, at least in terms of their in their individual profiles, only goes down to about ten before you have to go find the the, the full list. Um, on, on Kimpom.com. Jackson Davis was either like ninth or 10th or maybe not even in the top 10 for a long time. He's vaulted up to three recently. And, of course, Edie kind of replies to, to Jackson Davis having, as you said, what it's funny to call it a quiet Saturday night, 18 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, uh, a couple blocks. Uh, but Edie goes for 38 and 13 in the win over Michigan State. But, you know, you would have looked at that, that Minnesota game, Purdue won, uh, really with, with defense up in, uh, up in Minneapolis on January 19th. And Edie only had 12 points and, and six rebounds. And you would say, boy, that's a, that's a quiet game for him. Um, that is, I think, for both of those players. And I know you asked about Jackson Davis, but, again, we, they play for rivals. They're going to see each other twice here in the next month or so. Um, it, it's impossible. that They play similar positions. It's impossible to kind of separate them. Um, I think for both of those players, the, the – one of the biggest sort of compliments you can pay their current level of performance is that you look at it when Jackson Davis only has 18 and 10 or Edie only has 12 and eight or something like that. You say, boy, that was a quiet game for him. Was something wrong with him tonight? Or did he need a little more rest or is he feeling under the weather or whatever? Um, That's the, that's the level these two players are setting. And I mean, listen, we've seen some really good, Players in the Big Ten, we've seen some really good player of the year races. I'm, I'm trying to remember when it's been between two bigs that each was distinctive. You know, Edie is, is, is great because he understands how to leverage his physical dominance or his physical sort of, you know, the, the physical mismatches he creates into just pure sort of athletic and productive dominance for Purdue. Jackson Davis is a little bit more of a holistic player. He's still seventh in the conference and assist rate in Big Ten games alone. Um, his assist rate, I, I reference this a lot, is still higher right now than Yogi Ferrell's conference-only assist rate in 2016. So he's he is assisting a greater percentage of baskets when he's on the floor than Yogi Ferrell was 
as Indiana's All-American point guard the last time they won the Big Ten title in Big Ten games. Um, so they go about it different ways, but the the, the through line is, um, you know, it's just the, I mean, frankly, just the, the impressive um, and thorough dominance that both of these guys are displaying. I just can't remember the last time I saw two bigs, uh, you know, kind of standing toe-to-toe like this. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us. We're talking about Saturday's big win for Indiana, fifth straight for the team, uh, and breaking down some of the individual performances as well. Uh, I'm curious, Caleb Banks, what did you think of the minutes he was able to get in that game, and can he be somebody in the month of February coming off the bench from time to time that plays a consistent role for this team? Possibly. I I thought, I mean, first of all, I I thought he was, uh, I thought he was really good. He played 12 minutes, 5.7 rebounds. Um, he only committed one foul, which I think is one thing you tend to look at with, especially sort of freshman wing forward type players that might wind up guarding guys that are either a little bit more physically, um, you know, sort of strong than them or a little bit more. I mean, like if, if you have to cover Bryce Sensabaugh or Justice Suing, I think he spent some time on Justice Suing. Um, you know, a guy that maybe is a little bit more mobile than they are, a little bit more athletically just sort of developed because they're older or whatever. Um, I thought he still made some mistakes. I mean, you know, there, there was one time where I think he, he missed a box out and then uh, the player that, that he was kind of supposed to follow down the floor got an easy transition layup because Banks just, just totally lost him. But that's something that you live with sometimes with freshmen. And, and obviously I think we, we can all presume as well that, um, Banks was was performing in the uh, at least some of the let's say some of the Jordan Geronimo minutes um, because Geronimo's out with the, with the calf problem. But I think that again, number one, you know, based on my understanding of the Geronimo injury, it was suffered within about 24 hours of the game. So it's not like Caleb Banks had multiple days of practice to build up to Ohio State knowing I'm going to get 12 to 15 minutes tonight, and he still played well. Number two, I thought he um, I thought he had to kind of grow into the game a little bit. I thought he, was, he got better the more he played, which is always encouraging because that tells you a guy, rather than maybe getting out on the floor and being all energy and fire and vinegar and then, you know, getting a little bit ahead of himself or an opponent starting to notice some weaknesses and adjusting to him, starts to fade in the game, it suggested to me that actually he grew into the game and he got more confident as the game wore on. That, that put back and foul is, is maybe the big, biggest example that I can think of. And just ter- in terms of it felt like the more he was on the floor, the more he kind of got through it and thought, I can do this. I'm not overwhelmed by this. I belong right here. And, you know, nobody, nobody out here sort of can just run me off the floor and prove I can't do it. And for him, I mean, he was, he was plus eight off the bench, you know, and, and I mean, the only – the only uh, bench player with a better plus-minus was Malik Renew, who obviously I mean, had 15 points and eight rebounds and three assists. So um, you can understand why Renew probably had a, a higher plus-minus. But the point is, Banks winds up with the second-best plus-minus of any bench player. That is, I think, reflective again of a player that really grew into that game as as it wore on. And three offensive rebounds too. That's the other piece of it. Like offensive rebounds are all just timing and energy and. And to some extent, again, talking about confidence, to some extent, just the willingness to go stick your nose into a scrum and just say, I'm not going to back off because I'm a freshman and I'm overwhelmed and it's assembly hall and a big 10 game on a Saturday night, the crowd's loud and everything is moving too fast for me. It's just the willingness to say, I'm going to go get it. You know, it's, it's right there and I'm going to be the one that beats everyone else to it. I think he had, um, 
I think he showed a lot of a lot of promise and you know how much we see him the rest of the season probably in part determined by the health of others in that front court rotation. Indiana has kind of traded these guys in and out. Trace Jackson Davis was playing with a back problem, and then Ray Thompson was out, and now George Geronimo's out. Um, but I think you can certainly build on that if you're Caleb Banks. Yeah, no question. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Final thing uh, I'll get your opinion on before we wrap up today. You know, Trace Jackson Davis is uh, making a real case for Big Ten Player of the Year. I don't think there's anybody that thinks he's not a candidate for that award. Zach Eady of Purdue, and we'll see the two big guys go at it here on Saturday, but he obviously putting together the uh, a similar, if not e- even better, resume. I mean, you could make that argument. I've seen his name floated for National Player of the year as well can trace overtake uh Edie in the big 10 can he can he get the uh, player of the year title or do you think it's uh, all wrapped up for the big man from purdue i don't think it's all wrapped up and I, I think it certainly you know three weeks ago felt like a coronation um both because of how Edie was playing and also because purdue was just sort of sprinting to the head of the field and i mean purdue is still well ahead of the field. If you look at the Big Ten standings, they're ten and one. The next closest team is Northwestern at six and three, and then Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois, all at six and four. So, um, you know, I mean, e- even in just the most like purely practical terms, there's nobody other than Purdue, and I recognize we're only at the halfway point, but nobody other than Purdue has a Big Ten title path in their own hands. You know, Northwestern only plays Purdue once. And none of the teams with four losses, even if like Indiana still has to play Purdue twice, but even if Indiana swept Purdue, in theory anyway, Purdue could still win the league outright. Um, I do think Jackson Davis has made it a two-player race, and that's with respect to Jalen Pickett, who I think is, is really good at Penn State. And in another year, I think we would be, I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, he's, he's top five in percentage of possessions used in effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage. He's an out he's third in the conference in defensive rebounding percentage and first in assist rate. I mean, he's having an outstanding season, but I think he's going to wind up, particularly if Indiana, I mean, Purdue is obviously doing what they're doing. They're number one in the country. If Indiana keeps playing at the clip it's playing at, then it just feels like there's going to be a combination of sort of individual success and team success that's going to just sort of overshadow Jalen Pickett. But if Trace Jackson Davis you know, keeps it up. I mean, you look at just his numbers since the turn of the year, and I can't do the math off the top of my head, but I mean, even just in, in Indiana's last four games, I think he scored something like 109 points. Um, if, if Trace Jackson Davis continues to produce like this, obviously as a player, you can't think about it this way. You can't look at the Purdue game and think like, oh, I've got to go beat Zach Eady because I want to beat him to player of the year. But I think that you know, those those two matchups, those two IU-Purdue matchups, if if there is a chance for Jackson Davis to gain on Zach Eady uh, in a substantial way, because I think Sunday is probably a reminder, again, Eady goes for 38 and 13 plus three assists and three steals in, the, in a beatdown of Michigan State, is Saturday's probably a reminder Zach Eady's not going anywhere. So provided neither of these guys gets hurt, I think that the the best chance Jackson Davis is going to have to cover the gap between them is going to be those those two Purdue games this Saturday, and then I think the other one is what at the end of February is it, it's February twenty fifth. Um, it still feels like Edie is the front runner, both because of his individual performances and also because of his team's overall performances. Um, but Jackson Davis, 
has done what it looked even a couple weeks ago. Like I don't think anybody in the Big Ten thought a player could do, which is make this a, a genuine two-horse race uh, for player of the year. Great stuff. Jack Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. You can read his work at IndyStar.com slash sports and hear from Zach here locally uh, Mondays when we talk IU basketball on the show. Zach, uh, I guess you're back at it tomorrow at Maryland, right? Yep. Another big one for Indiana on the road. Thanks for the chat today. Thanks for having me, as always. That's going to wrap things up for this segment. We'll head to a commercial break when we come back. Local sports and high school basketball, the topic. Chad Gilbert, IHSA Executive Board Member, Charlestown Athletic Director. He joins the show. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Monday program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. The Thornton's text line, if you've got something on local sports, be happy to get it on uh, in this segment as well. This, to me, is always the week that things began to change. This is the week that you knew the season was slowly coming to an end and that postseason basketball would be here before you know it. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, also a former coach at Jeff. He's also the IHSA Executive Board uh, member representing our area. He's with me Mondays as we promote high school sports here in southern Indiana. And, Chad, as a former coach, think back to your coaching days. Was this the week where – Things got a little different. It's girls' sectional week. The boys play on Thursday evening and Saturday afternoon so the girls can get the stage, can get the spotlight. This, to me, is always the week where you know the end is coming. Matt, that's a good call because you do have the Thursday night game and you have the Saturday night or Saturday afternoon game for the boys. And it is, you know, being from coaching the boys and the girls, unique perspective on both with the girls – it's a every game you play like it's your last. This is what you've led the work the whole season to lead up to is this event. And every game you don't you don't put any extra pressure on. You just say, hey, this is the next one. And it, you hate to go back to the old Nick Saban of trust in the process, but we're playing against ourselves. Are we going to meet our goals of under ten turnovers? Are we going to out rebound our opponent by ten? Are we going to shoot ten more free throws than the other team? Are we going to get three stops in a row five times? You know, you have your different things that you look for. Are you going? To, are we going to keep our turnovers under ten? You set those goals, and if you take care of those goals, most time the scoreboard takes care of itself, and that's what you keep in your mind, your kids' head, because so many distractions this week. Whether it's pep rallies, send off, seniors thinking, "Man, this is my last time I'm going to play." There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. Whoever wins this time of year is the one who manages to stay the same thing, you know, stay level-headed. And it's that next play mentality. The most important play is the next play. On the boys' perspective, you know 
you got five games left. So you're telling your guys, all right, this is it. We're in the home stretch. We're in the fourth quarter before we're wrapping our season up. Let's enjoy our time together. Let's see how good we can get. Because right now, Matt, if you look at team schedules, they're playing an NBA schedule. So you could be playing Tuesday, Saturday, or excuse me, Thursday, Saturday, come back with another Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, and in a lot of cases, play that Tuesday and wrap it up because you want to have a little bit of time ready to go into that sectional. So it's a busy time of year for both the boys and the girls' side, but it's a fun time of year for fans and for players. And I hope, again, that our fans and our players really cherish what a special tournament we have and what a special time of the year it has. Uh, Matt, one other variable that comes into play this time of year is the weather. You always see these next couple of weeks where snow outs come in, where rescheduling games come in, where people are looking for opponents because you know they, they need to have their senior night game, or you want to have a kid who has a chance to get 1,000 points. You want to make sure you get those games in. So you'll see a lot of shuffling come around, and, and mark my words, Matt, weather will play a part in the tournament at some point in the next month. Yeah, absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, you know, I've had a number of people as we start to think about the tournament, talk about the tournament, girls and boys say, you know, Matt, you've mentioned this some on your show, but maybe a little bit more about the switch, the change this year with regional and semi-state. And you were on the board. You got to see that entire process unfold. But tell us what will be different both with the girls and boys tournaments regarding the regional and semi-state rounds of the tournament this year. Matt, do you keep track of the board minutes? Do you see how the votes go? <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot. I wanted you I just vo- to tell I them. voted no. <laughs> I voted no on the, on the new change. You know, and it, there's talk about a five-class change. I don't think I could vote for that. I'd vote for a one-class change if we could. And I think there's a lot of people throughout the state who'd love to see one class in sports again. Um, maybe a three-class difference, you know, something to, to see that. But I do see the people's point on – wanting to change to different classes, wanting to make different moves, and I get that, and that's for another time. The question you ask is, what about the regional format? I voted no, Matt, based on just because I think regional weekend was the best weekend of the tournament. And my idea is if it's not broke, let's don't fix it. You know, we got other things we need to deal with. However, the commissioner's plan and the commissioner is much more smart smarter than i am much more well-versed sees the whole picture and that and that's his job he should be those things he thinks that moving it to semi-state and having more teams advance more teams that have that opportunity to play that the semi-state weekend will replace the regional weekend as the most exciting weekend and so essentially matt what has happened is these two have flip-flopped There is one caveat to it, and that caveat is this year the same four teams are coming to our regional. So let's use the Charlestown Girls Basketball 3A Regional. The people that come in are Greensburg, Vincennes, Evansville, and Corden. All right, we'll say those are the four teams that come in. Before, those two would play a morning session and then come back, the winners will play in an evening session for a championship, and then go to the semi-state and play a one-game semi-state. Well, now what's going to happen is the same four teams are going to come in, and we're going to have two 3A regional champions at our site, and they will advance to a semi-state site and play two in the morning and a championship 
game that night, and the winner advances to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The one caveat that I'm hoping for next year we can get changed is on the regional site that we have proximity. So, in other words, this year, let's say Corden and Lanesville both win their sectional. It'd be an awfully big crowd and a great atmosphere if we had the 1A and 3A here at Charlestown. Does that make sense to you, Matt? Yes. Kind of like the semi-states used to be. Right. And I think that was something down the road we can look at. Um, I think it will be exciting semi-state. The regional will just take a little bit of adjusting. I hope fans have some patience with that. But continue to support their teams, continue to support their kids, and go and give it semi-state a try. You know, I have 100% confidence in Commissioner Nighting. And what he what he thinks is going to be best for our kids in our tournament, and I think it'll be a good decision down the road. Um, it, it's going to be fun, no matter how you cut it. It's you know it's a state tournament. Kids are competing for a state title, and it's an opportunity to show your best, get behind your teams, have your communities get behind your teams, represent your school, and most importantly, have fun. Leave it all on the court and have fun. So I think it'll be a lot of fun for our kids, and it'll be something just a, a minute change. But I think as it goes on, it'll be something that'll be really, really good for our tournament. Yeah, I think it'll be different. It'll be interesting. But the thinking does make sense to keep more communities, more Indiana communities involved uh, further and further into the tournament to to tune up that excitement. And let's hope that as this plays out and we get through the first couple of years, which are always a trial anytime there's a change, let's hope that it works out and that it makes sense. Chad, before we go, I had Coach Benner of Brownstown on last week, and he's not really in our normal rotation of local coaches, but he's been around forever. The Brownstown program is outstanding, and of course his son, uh, Jack, the Purdue commit, is just doing some unbelievable things this season from breaking backboards to setting school records and breaking his own records. But if I saw correctly, Coach Lynch and your Pirates at Charlestown uh, they did quite a defensive job on Jack Benner. I know Brownstown went on to win the game, and Jack had some other highlights that night, but I think they, they held him down pretty reasonable compared to a lot of others that have tried to go against him this year. Well, Dave is a uh, 30-year friend of mine. We used to work Hanover camps and stuff together. He graduated a year behind me, played at Brownstown when I played at Charlestown, and a fine coach, one of the best coaches in the state of Indiana. Dave was not at our game Friday. He was sick. Uh, Matt Lynch, who I feel is another outstanding coach, he went into the game thinking, you know, we know Benner can beat us. Can someone else beat us? Well, we found out the answer because they have a very, very, very good team. But we did a good job against Jack, and Jack is such an unselfish player, Matt. I mean, if you if any listener out there has not had an opportunity to see Jack Benner play, I know we've talked about him before in the show, he's a special once-in-a-lifetime kid. I mean, he makes passes on time, on target, from 35 feet away out of a double team. That's just how good he is, how unselfish he is. And they've got players that are very, very good. Going in that 2A regional, you've got them versus Providence. You've got two excellent coaches and a lot of excellent players on the court. That may be the game in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. No question. Chad Gilbert with us Mondays. We talk local sports, high school sports, and, of course, a lot of basketball, as I think we should this time of year. Chad, have a great week. Thanks for the chat. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Enjoy this week. Thank you very much. Girls sectional week. A lot of the area locations get started Tuesday night and, of course, Friday, the semifinals. Saturday, the championship games, boys games. Thursday night, also some Saturday afternoon games as well. Have a great Monday. Back with you every day this week 
at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.